You are listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's word and then we head out to the remaining 99% do something amazing with this life that he's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. You can check us out at soh.church. Plan your visit. Uh, You can get directions there. You can watch us online as well uh, if you're not close enough to drive. But a church live is worth the drive. So if you're within decent driving distance, I would say a couple hundred miles, it's worth the trip. Let us know you're coming. Uh, And uh, if you are listening here anywhere where you get podcasts, give a like, give a share, subscribe, follow, leave a comment. All of that helps. We're growing each and every day. And uh, I am excited where this Bible study is going. You can also download our Sound of Heaven app. Just go to your Apple or Android store, type in Sound of Heaven. It's not hard to find. There's a free digital Bible on there where you can follow along with us. Okay, so we are going to be in John chapter 16 today. And uh, coming out of John 15, we're seeing what's happening here. We're in the final week of Jesus's earthly ministry in terms of him being and walking with the disciples, you know, pre uh, going to the cross. And he is really preparing his disciples for what they're about to encounter. And that is both to witness him be crucified, what they're going to do and and go through, uh, but also beyond that, Jesus would, of course, resurrect. And I don't want to be a spoiler here, but eventually he does sit at the right hand of the Father. And what he has been promising these past couple chapters especially is that an advocate is going to be sent. That advocate, that helper, is going to be the Holy Spirit. and he is preparing them for that. He's preparing them for the trials that they're going to face. And he is instructing them to love one another. And obviously that is the greatest commandment. It is the fresh commandment that was given in the new covenant, the commandment that fulfills all other commandments. Uh, And Jesus says this, Greater love has none than this, than one to lay down his life for his friends. And he calls them friends. He says, you're no longer servants, but you are my friends. And you are my friends because I tell you the things of the kingdom. I tell you the things that the Father is telling me. And that's what friends do, right? We confide in one another. So the disciples, of course, are confused, a little upset, and Jesus is trying to set them at ease, but he's also telling them that they're going to deal with persecution. They're going to deal with people that hate them on his behalf and to prepare for that. So let's jump into chapter 16, starting with verse 1. Jesus continues. He says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. So Jesus is not sugarcoating anything. Again, they're going to go through some pretty tough tribulation coming up. He says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think 
he is offering a service to God. So Jesus gives a range of possibilities here for the persecution from being put out of the synagogue. And we know that the chief priests already said anybody that sides with Jesus is out. But also leaving it open that, hey, this may cost you your physical life. But he expresses why this is happening. He says, whoever kills you will think that they're offering a service to God, and they'll do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. And Jesus is basically saying, they know not what they do. And if that rings a bell to you, one of the first things that Jesus says on the cross is, forgive them for they know not what they do. We'll talk more about that as we get to the time where Jesus is on the cross. But Jesus is really trying to be a provider, a good father, so to speak, a a shepherd and guide them. And he's saying, remember my words. Verse four, he says, but I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. And for those of us that are parents, what do we try to do? We try to instill things in our children, and especially as they're getting older. I'm My uh, kids are getting older by the day, and I know that's an obvious statement, but when you have uh, uh, a teenager, you start to realize that you have to take your hands off a little bit, and you have to hope that what you have instilled upon them is going to come to remembrance, so to speak, when they're not around you. They're starting to get more responsibilities. And I see this as a parent. I can imagine what Jesus is feeling as he's basically letting them know that you're getting sent out. You're going to do the things that I do. I mean, if you think about all the statements that he's made over the course of the last couple chapters, that you'll do greater things than I because I go to the Father. He is getting them ready for the next phase of life, the next step in maturity where they're going to have to be more dependent on the spirit that's inside of them. They're not going to have the physical Jesus with them anymore, which probably was a source of comfort for them with verse 6. It says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. They were struggling with the concept of Jesus not being there. But Jesus says, I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. I didn't have to. You had me here. Again, going back to the parent analogy. You want your words as a parent, as long as they're wise words, you want that you want you want them to hear mom and dad's voice when they encounter things in the world. You want them to say, This is what mom or dad warned me about. Nevertheless, verse seven, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning the sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. 
and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is to be judged. Again, talking about the Holy Spirit, and he's saying, it is better for you that I go. It is better for you that the Holy Spirit comes. And we've hit on this a couple times already. They were watching Jesus do all these miracles. And yes, they they did uh, they did act on Jesus's behalf. He did impart into them and send them out on their own in his earthly ministry. But they would have to go to the ends of the earth. And I, I stand by what I said the other day. If Jesus had been there, they wouldn't have had to lean on the Holy Spirit that was inside of them or, or going to be inside of them. Again, the, the Holy Spirit had not indwelled in man yet. That happens in the book of Acts in what we know as Pentecost. So they're being imparted the Spirit by Jesus. And what I mean by that, Jesus is giving them a measure of authority and power to go out and do that. But eventually he will give them that same spirit that raises him from the dead, that same spirit that raises the dead out of the grave, that heals the sick. They would receive that. And they would not have had that opportunity had Jesus stayed. Sometimes we have to let our children go and experience and empower them to be everything that they're called to be, to mature. If Jesus was still walking around with everybody, if he wasn't crucified, let's put aside the second that he needed to be sacrificed and he was the uh, perfect lamb in that sacrifice, we, we know he had to die for us. But if he had to walk around with them and they had the Holy Spirit and they were doing the miracles and he was doing miracles, people wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. But the fact that he was leaving and he imparted the Spirit into them, and these are ordinary men and women, they uh, were fishermen, they were tax collectors, they were very unlikely people, just like Jesus was. He was a, he was a carpenter. He was from places that people didn't really care for. He was not the king that everybody expected, but he's the king that everybody needed. Amen? Let's continue. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Again, being a good father, giving to the children what they can handle when they're ready. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but will whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I want you to don't miss this. He's talking about when the Holy Spirit comes, this is going to be the spirit that hears directly from the throne of God. The spirit Jesus is saying here that I have in me. And the most exciting thing I think in this is, he says, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Again, what Jesus did to those disciples, what we still possessed are the keys to the kingdom of God. 
we keep advancing the kingdom generation upon generation. We keep advancing his gospel, his good news, generation upon generation. Look, everybody that's listening, I don't have to say it, right? Everybody that's listening here 100 years from now is going to be somewhere else. What we do today matters to advance the gospel. How we impart into our children matters. Verse 15, all that the Father has is mine, and therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, you will see, and you will see me. He's talking about his death and then his resurrection. They're not getting it yet. So some of the disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while, you will not see me. And again, a little while, you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they're saying, what does this mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And he gives a great example here. He says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. And in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name, asking you shall receive, that your joy may be full. I have come and said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you, that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you're speaking plainly to us. They're starting to get it. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming indeed. And it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone for the father is with me. I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. Now catch this in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In some translations, it says, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. Jesus is letting them know that they're going to go through some stuff. But he already has. I don't want to say the world beat, because a lot of times as as Christians, we 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 create this 
us against the world mentality. That's not what he's saying. When he's saying he's overcome the world, he's overcome all the things in this world that could destroy us. That's what it is. And the things that destroy us are not necessarily other people. What did he say about those that would persecute and even maybe kill them? He looked at them with grace. But he said, you will struggle, but you will be filled with joy. And they were about to see him crucified, beaten, and they would see him resurrect as well. And that's my prayer for you as we close out today. That you realize that in this world, you're going to have some struggle. But you remember the words of Jesus. You remember what we studied today and said, ah, that's what Jesus, that's what you were talking about. That sometimes I'm going to face some hardship. But I'm going to be of good cheer because you have overcome the world. Christ already has given us victory in every single area. And because he has victory, you and I have victory over that situation that you're struggling with. You've got victory over that. So let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, today, even in our struggles, Lord God, we declare that we will be cheerful, that we will claim victory because you have already overcome the world and that we move forward today with a great expectation, knowing that even when we struggle, that we're not stuck, Lord God, that you're with us and that any tears will be turned into joy because you are a good father and you're with us every step of the way. In Jesus' name, I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church. You're listening to The 1% Christian. We are going to be in John 17 tomorrow. Love you guys.